Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, the delightful Zoe Chow is in the new Party Down reboot on Stars, and she says it totally triggered work nightmares she used to have when she was bartending to make ends meet. I found it very triggering, <laughs> and I didn't anticipate that. But first, let's take a minute to sit back and relax, this time with two of my favorite Chicago podcasters. Today, we have the host of CityCast Chicago, Jacoby Cochran. Jacoby, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Also, here is the host of WBEZ's The Rundown podcast, Aaron Allen. Aaron, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. So thrilled to have you. Okay, so I want to start with what I think is some super interesting book news. Um, this is about Roald Dahl, who, of course, is the classic author behind books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. He's getting kind of a facelift. And what I mean by that is that the publisher of his books is editing them, even though the author died more than 30 years ago. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the word fat was changed to enormous. Oompa Loompas were originally small men. Now they are small people. There's mention of a weird African language and the word weird was removed. The company that manages Dahl's copyright worked with a company that focuses on inclusion in books. And they said they did it to make sure that his works could still be enjoyed by kids today. They said the changes were, quote, small but carefully considered. Some people are alarmed by this. They're calling it censorship. Others are arguing this is all about making sure the IP can thrive and not really about inclusive language at all. What do y'all think? Like, are these updates necessary? You know, I think that inclusive language is really important. Um, Yeah. I love a lot of these stories. I've mostly consumed them in movie form. Um, I, I appreciate some of those changes for sure. Like, like an African language is not weird just by virtue of being an African language. (laughs) Um, But on the other hand, I think that there is, value in showing folks what writing used to be like and Mm. helping readers understand the context in which someone was writing, who they were, right? And um, the time that they were writing in. Yeah. People were gendering their their characters. um, (laughs) And this is why, right? Like, can we have that conversation with young people who maybe are non-binary or who were helping understand um, the nuances of gender, Yeah, it does seem to me like, I mean, in either case, you definitely need to be able to facilitate conversations that sort of, as you say, like contextualize this, because I think he I mean, he definitely is a product of his era for better or for worse. Right. Mm For sure. I read in a, in a, a piece earlier this week that sort of offers some context to who he was, sort of the British aristocracy he grew up in, going to mm. these boarding schools. And even in Matilda, Mrs. Trumbull's character is based off all of the teachers who used to give him the cane. Mm. I feel the same way about these books as I feel about hundreds of monuments around the city of Chicago and cities across America. 
I don't think we need to update them. I think we should just get rid of them, right? Mm. James and the Giant Peach <laughs> wow. and, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. These, Matilda, these are all great books, as Aaron has said, that have been turned into some stellar movies that I got to enjoy as yeah. a child. But when you, when you read some of these updates, it looks like capitalism fighting capitalism for the sake of capitalism <laughs> because the little boy is still called enormous, right? The, right, right. Add, That's the thing. Right. Adding in the witches that, you know, people wear wigs for other reasons. If you're reading that book, it probably pulls you right out of the book and signals to you something problematic used to be here. <laughs> I feel like it was yeah. some, some yeah. racist language here, some gender language. Somebody's trying so, to explain something away here. Exactly. Yeah. And so the the goal here obviously isn't to, you know, build author's intent because the author is dead and the author wrote the words as they chose to write them. So the goal mm-hmm. here, obviously, right, you can make it right for children to keep enjoying, but that's sort of yeah. the same logic. People who want to ban books about gender identity and what it means to grow up trans or what it means to be black in America who want to ban those books from libraries and schools, they use the sort of protection of children as their way of controlling the content and sort of denigrating the identities of those uh, who are not like them. And, and it sort of feels the same way here. You're you're not really interested in children as much as you're interested in making sure that an archive and a that you just sold to Netflix is exactly. viable for hundreds of millions for of dollars. Years moving forward. Yeah, it does seem I mean it's interesting thinking about it even the con- in the context of uh accountability culture too right where it's like they don't want to get canceled so they're doing what they can to try and gussy this stuff up when i could also totally see the argument of just like just let it go you know like maybe it just isn't relevant in the year 2023 and that's okay too yeah and the article that i saw about this um there was an argument for putting an introduction on the book yes sure you know putting that context in there maybe not the um, the capitalism for the sake of capitalism um, <laughs> context, but or the like, we about to sell this to Netflix, so let's clean this up um, uh, context. But just the context of like, okay, this is when this was written, um, and and this is when you're reading certain parts of this. This is why, um, and I think for me, like that would be um, a cool, happy medium. Um, I'm I'm not in the camp mm-hmm. of throw it out. You know, that's that's giving throw the baby out with the bathwater situation, just to, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. I'm like, these are great stories. Like, these are some of the, the, the films that I remember having a really great relationship with. Right. I was horrified. I was entertained. I was amused um, and I was touched. And so I wouldn't say personally throw them in the trash. Um, I may say that about some monuments, though, for sure. <laughs> hey, you, you you could get rid of Charlie for me. Them, them Oompa Loompas <laughs> is slaves. Like, I don't care what you call mm, them, how yeah. you change them. They can't leave the factory and they not getting wages. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> indentured servitude. It's giving colonial <laughs> slavery all day. The empire, like the sun will never set on the chocolate factory type shit. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. It is interesting to think, I mean, he has created some iconic characters, for better or for worse, you know. I for sure. And the Matilda dances on TikTok Matilda. right now, they hidden, but, <laughs> but, let's, but let's be real. That's someone else's adaptation. Let people take yeah. these words True. and make their own new okay. James and the Giant like Peach. Because yeah. when you look at children's books now, I feel like people have been... At author, many authors have just been raised in the sensibilities of the now, and so they're not fumbling over inclusive language. I get it; right. we shouldn't just throw everything away, mm. but you know, I don't, I don't mind throwing some people and in, in some of their art away. I really don't, even if it means my nostalgia is in the in the trash yeah. too. Okay. 
Okay, so another story. Well, I don't know if we can really call it a story, but <laughs> earlier this week, sports journalist Jamel Hill started a viral Twitter thread asking people how often they wash their towels. <laughs> and I was feeling pretty good about my general hygiene <laughs> until reading through these responses. And now I am really hoping to get some validation from you, too. Jacoby, how often do you wash your towel? I'm really putting you on the spot with this one. No, it's good. Uh, so how often I wash the towels is different than how often I change the towels. Because oh, okay, I, okay. I, I probably wash laundry like every two weeks, but I'm changing my towel every two to three days. Ooh, Just wow. I, Yeah. I have to mostly because I'm very disrespectful to my dry towel when I get out. <laughs> I will throw it over the shower rod. I will throw it on the hook. I will walk right out the bathroom and leave it on the okay. floor. I can't put that right. towel. Oh, so no. it's, it's okay. more about how I use the towel. But even then, a New York Times article came out back maybe a month ago that talked I about, know. you know, I mean, think about all of the <laughs> yes, dead skin yes. cells that no. are there. Think about think about how much like your your towel lives in the poop factory that is your bathroom. Uh, that is just a fecal environment that's in there, a wasteland when you walk in there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not everywhere. So I mean, the fact that we're keeping our toothbrushes and our face towels and everything in this uh, environment, we I think the least we can do is pretend to be doing better <laughs> with what we can see because. Even if you wash it every day, it's still going back into poop particle paradise. And so, I mean, Ugh. hey, two to three days for me, you know, that that three probably at max. But that, yeah, that, that's me. I, I got oh, to. Wow. Wow. Aaron, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about like essential oils and stuff. I feel like you're on the crunchier <laughs> side of things. I am definitely on the crunchy side. <laughs> For sure. You got that right. <laughs> yeah, we've discussed yoga retreats. It's interesting that essential oils and crunchy is somehow in the Venn diagram together. Yeah. I okay, I will say this. This is this is there's so much to this, first of all. <laughs> how often are we showering? Because sure. that is gonna dictate how often we're using the towel. Yes. And I I shower if if I'm working out every day. I shower every day. Same. Mm-hmm. If I am not working out every day, I probably shower every two days. Yeah. And so what I, the way that I go by it is like, I will change my top. My, and all my towels are white. Everything's white. That's, that's my aesthetic that I got going on up in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I change my towels once a week. Yeah. Or when there's visible dirt, whichever <laughs> one comes sooner. I treat my towels like I want them to dry fully before I hang them up, all that kind of mm. stuff. But I mean, it's oh, sometimes huh. it's like a couple of weeks before I'm washing them. So that means you use them for two and a half weeks. I'm not judging. I'm just asking for clarity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm using them. Yeah, for right. sure. <laughs> right. Somebody said that um, they wash their towel every day. And all of these other things that they do so that they can keep their home clean, including not having a dog. They were like, I I need to keep my bedroom clean, mm. clean, which is why I don't have a dog. And I'm like, growing up, my mom's didn't allow the dog in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like you can you can train these dogs. You can do that. Um, train is the right word. I'm sure your mama wasn't training. None. She had a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Definitely a training device. Um, it, it was a it was a. a a paper towel roll. Actually, <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. The cardboard. Yeah. Um, speaking of paper towels, somebody said they use paper towel in some part on some parts of their body instead of 
the bath towel wow. so they don't have to wash it as oh much. wow i could not Which is a i lot. could not rub paper towel against my That's skin too much my skin way too <laughs> soft way too way too decadent for paper ta- for bounty i'm not a i'm not exactly. a countertop i'm not a floorboard oh with some fruit punch on it i'm, I'm come on this melanin a all the <laughs> more on. like oil that and lotion that i have to use now because i didn't you know yeah. de- dehydrated my skin with soap and paper that's towel that's, that's too much well yeah my laundry budget like i definitely can't afford to wash a towel after one use you know mm-hmm. like that to mm-hmm. me is mm-hmm. and like it's one thing if you had a washer dryer in your building or in your unit which like a lot of us in chicago just don't but even then it's just like that's a lot you know yeah, yeah. i think we need to acknowledge to the budget piece and thank you greta for bringing that forth like <laughs> you know th- there are all types of of hygiene situations happening all over the world <laughs> depending on how much people have access to money and clean water. Yeah. So. Right. It, it feels like we just did like a, a publishing d- disclaimer at the end. We just had this whole conversation <laughs> at the very end. Like, hey, we understand that expense, location, and privilege <laughs> impact this conversation. It doesn't impact any of us, but it does impact the conversation. That. I appreciate you, Aaron. You, see, I, yes, that is beautiful. I got to remind myself. I got to take that. <laughs> You're welcome. So our next segment coming up on the show is with Zoe Chow, who's in the new Party Down reboot. Uh, Reboots can be super tricky. I, on this very program, have talked plenty of shit about plenty of remakes over Mm -hmm. the course of the show. Um, And even when I heard they were bringing Party Down back, part of me was really excited because I love that show. And part of me was like, oh, no. If this isn't Mm. good, it's going to ruin the rest of the show for Mm -hmm. me. And that's going to be a huge bummer. Good point. So what do y'all think about reboots? I got some faves. Yeah, do you have a favorite reboot? Yeah, but I'm like, is it? Does it count? Okay, like, does a movie that became a show years... Like, She's Gotta Have It is, like, on my top. Mm-hmm. It's, like, Ooh. my number one reboot. I, I think that like, counts. I think that counts. Yeah, yeah right. it's the same I thought IP she was going to say Best Man, and I was just going to be like, all right, Aaron. Ah, <laughs> it was it was all right, but let's That's be true. real. That's okay. Let's be real. Yeah, it was... <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't fuck with... Uh, the reboot of the best man. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. They, they wilding. They wild. I'm happy everybody was getting their money, but they wild. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What about Sex in the City? Oh yeah, that. Oh my god. I'm not mad at it. I appreciate that they've got trans characters. They've got um they've got a lot more people of color it's in the update, show yeah. now. Um, you know they're they're dealing with like being being an aging person. You know, an aging woman. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not mad at it. I did watch it. Wow, I did not watch it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> I feel like I feel like most of the reboots that I've enjoyed are things that I didn't have a connection to the original with, and so yes. I didn't have to mm. judge it as harshly. So, like yes. shows that from my childhood that got rebooted that I haven't picked up. So, like Fresh Prince turned Bel Air, I haven't oh. watched it. I've heard good things. Oh, I love it, but I oh, cool. it's so good. But I'm so connected to the original. You know, even the yeah. Boy Meets World or like the That's So Raven. I get that these are now being made for the children of this generation, but those are shows right. I had deep connections to as a kid. Even the Proud Family that I haven't really invested in their reboot because I, I cared about the first one. And so if it's something that I didn't even know there was an original, like The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, 1999, <laughs> loved it. Didn't know it was a remake 60 years in the making. So if I didn't know about it, I, I'll, I'll mess with it. If I, if I had some connection to it, I'm less likely to pick it up. You know, it's interesting because I hadn't thought of this until now, but this conversation is actually really similar to the Roald Dahl one, right? Where it's sort of like... A little bit. 
sure, mm. we have a lot of nostalgia for these things uh, to varying degrees. But then, like, to what extent do they need to be updated versus just sort of like left in the mid 90s or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll say, too, to your point, Jacoby, about whether or not you knew about it at first. I feel like if I did know about it at first and I'm going into the new one, I'm also vegan. I have to treat it like veggie burgers. <laughs> like I have to or like whatever, like vegan wings. Yeah, I have to go into it being like, this is not wings. OK, <laughs> like this is something else. That can in itself be delicious. And can provide me with the nutrients I need. And pro- <laughs> yes, and can provide me with. But I, this is not chicken. Mm. Like I just have to tell myself this, right? Like, That's such a perfect. This is not. I love it. Fresh Prince. Like this is a new. This is Bel Air. <laughs> this is Bel Air. That is something else, and it can be good in itself. Oh my God, I love that so much. Well, Aaron, Jacoby, you both brought such thoughtful answers to such ridiculous questions. So thank you both for that. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you, Greta. In just a minute, we get to talk about the new reboot that I actually love, Party Down. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. The reboot or show remake is something we have talked on Nerdette about before and not always in a positive light because it seems like they are happening all over the place and not every show necessarily needs a second life. But I am so excited to tell you there is a reboot coming out today that I am legitimately thrilled about. Almost 15 years after it debuted, the Derv Slingers of Party Down are back. Are we having fun yet? The premise is perfect. The main characters are caterers, and every episode is a different event that they're working. But none of these people actually want to be caterers. They're in Hollywood, and they're all in, like, varying stages of trying to make it in the biz. The cast is amazing. Jane Lynch, Megan Mullally, Jennifer Coolidge, Adam Scott, Martin Starr, Ken Marino, all people whose names you might not know, but whose faces you will definitely recognize. There are also so many cameos and so many just like completely ridiculous moments. What do I say all the time? No personal business on company property on time. The reboot has most of the same characters, plus some new ones. Zoe Chow joined the team. You might know her from the Apple TV Plus murder mystery, The After Party. She was also in the HBO Max series Love Life. And now she plays Lucy Dang, a chef. And this is swine butter on roquebrot with shaved granite and grass. Unlike the rest of the cast, Lucy takes her job very seriously. Yeah, she is 
a chef also known as a, a, a food artist. I think <laughs> she would identify as. Um, yeah. And she doesn't have acting entertainment aspirations. She wants to make food and she's not even concerned about the food tasting good. Uh, <laughs> the priority for her is that the food inspires an emotional response. It's so perfect. I really love that, like, you play her super straight. And she's, like, I mean, pretty much pissed, I would say, like, 95% of the time. Yes. <laughs> I was, like, what, how much of a challenge was it to play a character who's, like, so serious around such a hilarious group of people? I really love Lucy because she is so passionate. And <laughs> I think she really goes into this new job, this gig at Party Down with the the hope that, you know, her dreams would be realized. So while she isn't trying to be an actor, she does share the same um, deep disappointment with her coworkers <laughs> about just unrealized <laughs> dreams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Because she quickly realizes that Party Down is not her dream job and it's not the place <laughs> nor, nor the time for her art. And so I think, you know, her passion she's crestfallen and uh, mm. <laughs> I really can relate with you know wanting to do something so badly and not getting to do that and so mm. that really drew me to her but it, it was challenging to be angry all the time when everyone is so <laughs> funny I mean, it was just, I would go home from set and my faith, my whole faith, every muscle in my faith hurt from laughing so hard. And then just realizing as I was like putting my head onto the pillow that like tomorrow it was going to be 16 more hours of like the biggest smile and the biggest hearty laughter. <laughs> oh my God. What a treat. That sounds amazing. It was amazing and exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, the first scene that you come on when we see you is this amazing scene. It's between you and Ken Marino, who plays Ron, her boss. What are you? Basic sheet cake done in an on-sale store-bought style with the center of ripened camembert. What, what, wait, what? You get an innocent childlike sweetness up front, followed by an earthy whiff of decay. Why? It's a rumination on mortality. Rumination on mortality? It's cake. Birthday cake. What? You said in the interview, I want the new foods, cutting edge dirt. Yes, yes. Like, you know, like new shapes. Look, this is an important event for me, business wise. And I'd rather the guests not be thinking of death. Not just death. It's more life is finite. How have I used this time? I am feeling like I wish I had said I love you to my Nana more. Yes. No, throw them out. <laughs> God, such a miscommunication <laughs> over what the job requirements were <laughs> so party down first came out i think it, it was like probably almost 15 years ago now definitely more than 10 did you watch it when it first came out? i feel like it was under the radar but well loved at the same time yeah i actually watched it a couple years later um mm. because i heard the but the growing buzz around it and i watched it while i was out in la working at Bar Marmont as a cocktail waitress. Oh my God, Zoe. It was, I was on a parallel journey. Was it too real? You know, it was very real. Uh, I found all the like asinine circumstances and situations the, the party down crew got themselves into or found themselves in very realistic. <laughs> I didn't think that they were at all 
larger than life that I found them to be very true to my experience. And it, the show made me feel honestly less alone. Hmm. You know, I was like, right. I'm not alone in chasing these dreams and it's very, they might not come true, but there's a whole army of people out there doing this with me. Wow. That's amazing. I just, yeah, it's such a fascinating show, I think, especially in terms of the original, because you're right, there's so much to it. But yeah, there's like, I think also just the the simplicity of the premise of like, it's a different party every time is just so engaging and dynamic and hilarious and absurd, you know? Totally. I mean, I remember going into work and having to serve, you know, every night the books look different and... Mm you know, you have like a a private party in the back and it would be like a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or a birthday or a wedding or like five years sober party or like a, a, like a listening party, a different crew every time. And you just had no way of preparing for the evening and just this dread going, driving in my PT cruiser on the way to in, into West Hollywood and just this like impen- sense of impending doom, like something terrible could happen tonight. And I've got my thigh highs on and a silk nightgown with frog buttons and red lipstick. No. And that's all I have uh, as armor. Oh my God. So was it, I mean, it's was this at all triggering to like be a part of a show then that is just so like yes. harkens back to experiences that you have dealt with in your life? I found it very triggering. <laughs> and I didn't anticipate that. You know, I, I thought, oh, this will be cathartic. And but it was actually I started having my old Bar Marmont nightmares. They wow. started coming back, which I thought I had finally closed the chapter, that chapter of like waking up in a flop sweat being like, did I fire the salmon or the almond crested bass? (laughs) So no matter the distance in years, like it's all right under the surface. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so amazing. So I feel like a reboot can be really tricky and, you know, often they are not successful and, you you know, everybody's trying to reboot all sorts of well-loved stuff from back Mm. in the day. I love this one. I think it's a really interesting, like, expansion on the original theme that still is satisfying in the same way, but isn't like the exact same thing, which Mm. I think is just such a challenge. I agree. I mean, I just watched the first, you know, five of the six episodes. Oh, yeah. And I was just blown away. I the, Just so much conveyed in such little time or yes. like just a lot of ground covered and done in, yeah. in, in, a, in not an exposition-y way. I mean, one of the many perks of being on that show is just to be executing like really good writing. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a joy to be inside of and to really trust the people leading us. That is really cool. What's it like also just to be like a new face on a series that was so well-loved? I mean, there's got to be a lot of pressure on that too, right? You know, I was stressed out. (laughs) I had sweaty hands the entire season of shooting season three. I... 
could not believe my good fortune that I got to join the, you know, this iconic cast and show. But, and then that was quickly followed by, um, panic. Yeah. Like (laughs) real panic. Um, my partner has had watched both seasons six times each. So I know how dedicated the diehard fans are. Yeah. And I just was waiting for the day that I messed it all up. (laughs) (laughs) And actually Tyrell and I, um, really bonded too. Oh, he's exquisite. And, and we bonded over being so nervous and, Mm. and, um, yeah, because they had they had such a perfect like ecosystem going, and we both came to this project with so much respect, and um, did not want to be the people to bring it down. <laughs> well, it's interesting to think of it as an ecosystem because I do think it's like yes, what they made before was really good, but I think partly what's so exciting about this is that like it's not exactly the same, but it's still is works i mean if anything it's funnier i think because it does bring in more different viewpoints and motivations and you know all of that stuff Mm, that's nice to hear yeah i mean i think the creators made such an amazing container you know that or like such and such a fun playground for all of us so yeah yeah but 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 it is also like you never i'm never like oh i really deserve to be up there with this lineup of titans of comedy, you know, like I, I just, there's never that moment of being like, I really deserve to be here. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would argue that's why you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'll take that. <laughs> so if you could, reboot any tv show or movie either to be in or just to watch what would it be mm, i really loved northern exposure oh a classic i grew up in alaska so people talk to me about northern exposure all the time oh my gosh cool <laughs> i never even saw northern exposure i missed it i was like just young enough that i didn't see it on tv and yeah, I don't think it's it's not streaming anywhere, right? That yes, correct. It is so effed up that you can I cannot <laughs> the amount I maybe four times a year go online to try to find a way to watch Northern Exposure and huh. I would love to be in that show. What is it about it? Oh. Well, I love the moose in the opening <laughs> credits. Um uh and I just love the small town cozy vibes everybody in everybody's business um (laughs) but I also found it to be just like a really sweet show Mm. and it was like winter year-round kind of and I'm a a big like cozy freak (laughs) I recently caught my boyfriend telling a group of people he had just met at a dinner party that Zoe's hobby is Christmas which (laughs) he had never articulated before like that to me and I'm not sure how I feel about it I mean it's kind of accurate but it's also I don't know if that's what I want how I want people to meet me 
you just like, I feel attacked by this. Yeah. I feel exposed too. Oh my gosh. That's super funny. <laughs> well, yeah, then I could see that being the perfect show. I always like one of my favorite shows of all time is my, my so-called life. You know, it's really embarrassing. I've never watched that show. I've never watched I need it. to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to add you it. You should watch it. You can stream that one. Okay, great. It's a classic. It's so good. But that's one where it's like, it's so close to my heart that I think I would just feel betrayed if anyone tried to do anything with it. You know what I mean? Totally. Well, and that's the thing that's so scary, right? About um, rebooting a show is like, you're going to upset somebody for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like such a challenge, but this was just such a pleasure and you were just outstanding in it. Thank you. That is such a relief to hear. Well, thank you for coming on, Zoe. This really was super fun. Thank you for having me and thank you for supporting the show. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. We would be very curious to hear how often you are washing your towel. You can find us on Twitter at Nerdette Podcast or in our Facebook group, Nerdette Headquarters. You can find that if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ. We are going to be back on Tuesday with our book club discussion of how far the light reaches. So keep an ear out for that. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter and our executive producer is Brendan Banasak. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.